0: When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal, even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply.
1: Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. <laughs> Hello, welcome to episode seventy-one of the Prince Kai Fan Pod and Larissa Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Bethany, and today my special Patreon guest is—I keep wanting to say Art by Aviva, but no. I know it's just Aviva. But <laughs> I'm used to—I'm used to Art by Aviva. Uh, and today we're going to cover Crest chapters fifteen and sixteen. Hi, Aviva. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been a stressful week over here, but otherwise I'm good.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, well. Um, many of the Patreon members already know, but Scamp who everyone may know from barking in the background of episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, was diagnosed with pancreatitis this week, and he spent a couple of days in a very expensive vet emergency room. Uh, And he's doing much better, but it it did take up quite a bit of time. And then this morning I woke up to a giant crack in my windshield. It was like a foot long. Oh, no. I know, right? So... (laughs) Uh, I I told my husband I was like I think I'm done with September now
0: (laughs) (laughs) so how are you doing you went back to school this week I did Tuesday was my first day it's all online we have zoom meetings for all my classes and um it's kind of a lot because The classes are like all back to back, so I hardly get a break from like my computer. So I'm just sitting there all day.
1: What grade are you in? I'm in tenth grade. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even get like hallway locker time anymore, right?
0: Right, I don't.
1: Yeah, I have some classes. Like on Tuesday, I have class from five to six thirty, and then I have another class from six thirty to eight, and then I have another class from eight to nine thirty. So they're all just like back to back to back to back. Yeah. There's not even, like, a second in between. And sometimes, like, if a class runs late, I have to leave so I can go to the other class and I miss all the stuff the teacher talks about.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard. so stressful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, the semester will go well for you. And if nothing else, hopefully, this will be fun and you can forget about school for a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about um, the Lunar Chronicles. Do you remember how you found Marissa Meyer and what the first book you read by her was?
0: Uh, yeah. So the first time I heard of her books was in sixth grade. We were doing a book project and we could choose books. And one of the books was Cinder. And actually, I did not do Cinder for my project, but that's when I first like heard of it. And then later on, My best friend, we, like, we give each other book recommendations, and she's the one who got me into Marissa Meyer's books. So she read the Lunar Chronicles, and she's like, "You have to read this. This is so good." So I read it. I'm like, "Wow, this is amazing." So that's how I got into her. Um, So Cinder was the first that I read. Do you have a favorite book by her? Um, I really love um, Winter. My favorite because it's just like everything is happening and like the stories are all coming together and it's like the end and you just see everything play out and it's really good.
1: Yeah, winter is very intense. It'll be very hard to do one or two chapters at a time when we get to <laughs> yeah. that uh, book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you
0: remember how you found the podcast? Um, I think I saw you guys on Instagram. Like some people that I follow, like fan accounts, that I follow. or posting about your podcast. I'm like, Oh, that looks really interesting. And so finally I listen, I'm like, wow, this is like the dream podcast. Yeah. I have so many
1: people that find me through Instagram and I'm like, okay, that's like my main, it's like the main place I talk to people. <laughs> yeah. What book are you currently reading at the moment?
0: Um, right now I'm reading the song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Um, it's really good. It's, that's about um, the story of Achilles and Patroclus and, like, the Trojan War. And I'm, like, halfway through it right now. But, yeah, I really like it. I'm currently reading – I read Bridget Jones's Diary for a
1: bonus episode for the Patreon. And then I was like, oh, I haven't read this book in so long. I have got to read the other ones. So I'm about halfway done with Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason right now. Cool. Yeah. They're very adult books, though. So, all my listeners who are young, you know, if you're under sixteen, I would get hold permission. Don't get me in trouble with parents. <laughs> so far, I've only ever had one parent email me, and it was very positive. But I'm always worried when I find out I have a listener that's like twelve. I'm like, ooh, did I say anything bad? Because <laughs> I am thirty, so I'm really old, and I say things sometimes and forget. <laughs> But luckily, the mother who emailed me was very nice and very gracious, so That's that was nice. cool. Yeah, it was a very nice uh as soon as it was like email from parent was the, was the subject, I was like, "Oh, what I do, what I do, what I do?" <laughs> <laughs> I made Ashley come over, so I didn't have to read it by myself. No. Um, speaking of Ashley, our beautiful Ashley is getting deployed um she's going to be gone six to eight months and she's going to be very bored so everyone uh please email princekaifampot at com with book recommendations preferably if they're on kendall unlimited uh and she's gonna try to read as much as possible because she's going to be absolutely bored out there she says she'll be bored
0: and lonely Aww. well i hope she finds good books to read me
1: too i bought her like six books to take with her and a pair of sunglasses and some gummy bears (laughs) before we talk about chapters 15 and 16 we've got some awesome fan art to look at uh from september 25th the first one is from kat adara on instagram we're only doing one picture today of thorn and crest but she actually has like a picture for each book she like printed her own covers for the books and they're quite beautiful What we're going to look at today is Cress and Thorne in the desert. Thorne can't see, and Cress is in her dingy blue dress directing him. It's very sweet and very, like, enchanting looking with glitter and stars everywhere and her satellite in the background. And I love Thorne's outfit. He's, like, almost wearing, like, a 1950s cool guy outfit, like Danny Zuko or something. Yeah.
0: It's a really lovely piece. I love the sky in the background with all the stars. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It almost feels like it's twinkling. Yeah.
1: Wow. And so our second one is from Surreal Sketch on Instagram. It's a crest in the desert wearing a very different dress and looking very, um, what I would say is optimistic. It's, I, It made me think of the moment in these chapters when she like looks at the desert and is just completely overwhelmed by her insignificance.
0: Yeah, I love the expression on her face. Like you said, optimistic, like Mm -hmm. she's just looking out and she's like, wow, I'm on Earth. I'm not on my satellite anymore.
1: It's like all her dreams are coming true, but in the strangest way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we're going to
1: talk about in this week's chapters. Uh, They're pretty intense. Um, Mm -hmm. Last week, Patreon voters uh, voted for chapter titles. Chapter 13 is Spaceman by The Killers. And chapter 14 is This Is Me Trying by Taylor Swift. And That's it, kids. We're already on to chapter discussion. I'm so proud of myself. I've gotten so good at not tangenting for like 55 minutes <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Like, just pat myself on the back. <laughs> <sighs> nice. So last week, we left off with Cinder getting to Africa and getting Dr. Erland to help Wolf. And she had the Lunar Guard with her. Um, we're back in Cress's perspective. The last time we saw her and Thorne they were uh crashing to earth and then the world went black. Very, very ominous. We found out Thorne lost his sight and also cut off all her hair without permission. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out Thorne is like, I don't suppose we I I suppose it's too much to hope that we landed ourselves near any sort of civilization. Yeah. And I wrote, no, that wouldn't work for the plot, Thorne. <laughs> of course. It would not. It would not. Make <laughs> for a very boring story. <laughs> yeah,
0: there has to be conflict, and they have to struggle.
1: Yes. Cress points out that civilization could actually be bad, since he's a famous fugitive, which... Cress is actually a fugitive now too, since Lunars are not supposed to be on Earth. But I guess they're not really thinking about that since she's not recognizable and he is.
0: Yeah, they wouldn't know. Like they they wouldn't know she was a Lunar either because she's a shell.
1: Yeah, they would just look at her and be like, "Oh, that person's really little." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thorin is uh, still happy about being famous. I like that he has like a sense of pride in being famous for such a silly reason. <laughs> yeah. He's basically famous because a girl fell into his cell by accident.
0: Yeah, basically it was all cinders doing.
1: Absolutely. Chris, um, Chris's panic is starting to wear off and she's actually starting to appreciate the fact that she's on earth, that they're alive, that they're safe, that they're in the one place she's always wanted to be in. And I thought of the, second half of When Will My Life Begin from Disney's Rapunzel, when she's all running around in the grass, and she's so excited, and she's playing in the water, and it's so cute.
0: Yeah. It's not exactly the same here, because, well, they're in the middle of a desert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, it makes me sad, too, because every time I see that part, I want to go play in a creek or something. <laughs> yeah. The water looks fun. It does. Thorne says, okay, well, where are we? What does it look like? And... So- "It's beautiful very descriptive it's very descriptive it's descriptive in her head yeah she'd seen pictures of course thousands and thousands of photographs and vids cities and lakes and forests and mountains every landscape imaginable but she had never thought the sky could be so impossibly blue or that the land could hold so many hues of gold or could glitter like a sea of diamonds or could roll and swell like a breathing creature for one moment, the reality of it all poured into her body and overflowed. I love Cress looking at earth. It's so beautiful. It's such a good reminder of like how extraordinary the planet is. And I think like myself included, we get busy with work and school and cleaning the house and doing laundry and, you know, one thing or another and technology and responsibilities and we don't appreciate uh, the planet for what it is and how beautiful it really is. And it's so nice to read about it from her perspective.
0: Yeah. Like the descriptions are so vivid and coming from someone who has never like been on earth before. It's just really good to get this like new perspective
1: of the planet. Yeah, I love it. And and it's a good perspective, too, because she's just in awe of everything. And the descriptions, they are, they're really good. They're almost poetic. Like every time I read a long description, I feel like there's a poem or a song in there somewhere. Like sky so blue, hues of gold, glitter and diamonds. It just feels, just, it just feels very poetic to me.
0: Yeah, it does. Marissa Meyer is so good at the imagery. She is. Queen,
1: queen, queen. Yes. <laughs> So Crest says, it's so beautiful. And Thorne says, yeah, we need more specific than that. <laughs> so she starts describing the beauty, like how beautiful it is. And sarcastic Thorne says, we need more description. Like, we need to figure out where we are, not how pretty everything is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of sand, desert, sand rolls like clouds of smoke, uh, which I love. That's a wonderful visual. There's no cactuses or tumbleweeds, just lots of sand piled up in hills, and Thorne still can't see, so he's really impressed with her um, like um obsession with how beautiful everything is. He's like, oh, I can't wait till you see a tree. <laughs> the desert explains the heat, and Cress is still in her thin cotton dress, so she doesn't notice it as much. But Thorne is presumably wearing like his jeans and his pilot leather jacket and boots and stuff, so he, he probably is quite warm. Yeah. Thorne says that the desert would not be his first pick. Well, obviously not. But Press thought you were going to land in the middle of water, which I don't think is any better. So,
0: Yeah. At least <laughs> they landed, like, on land.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're on land. They can get somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he says, is there anything useful? Palm trees, waters, maybe a couple of camels just walking around? <laughs> nope. Nothing. Thorin goes into survival mode. And here we see some of those resourceful skills that Cinder was talking about. He wants to contact the Rampion. We need to get the doors opened or we're going to be baked alive. But the satellite has no communication. And Sybil took the decon chip. So they can't contact the Rampion. They can't give coordinates anyway. So it wouldn't matter if they could contact them. And Thor is <laughs> like, okay, one thing at a time. We have to let them know we're not dead. And that they're also not dead. And he says, I think they're capable of handling two measly lunars. And I immediately was like, oh, no, they didn't. Yeah. Overestimated their abilities, Thorne. Yeah. He says it would be nice to put his his mind at ease, which I think is really sweet that he's actually worried about his crew. This is yeah. a Thorne who has feelings for other people. <laughs>
0: Like, when we first met him, he was all kind of full of himself, but he, like, grew to love his the Rampian crew, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: he, they're his friends. They're his, um, his found family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He says,
1: I'm sure Cinder can just whip up a giant metal detector and find us, but first, <laughs> we need to see what's going on here. There's nothing really useful. There's not a lot that's even salvageable. No screens, no no generator. And little crest didn't make it. No. Uh, I am kind of sad for her. That was literally her only yeah. friend for like seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's sad. Thorn is like, uh, <laughs> do we need to like bury her or say a few words? <laughs> it's like I'm not crazy. I like Thorn's response though. He he says, um, "I'm not judging. I'm familiar with IT relations."
0: <laughs> Yeah, talking about Ico.
1: <laughs> Wait until you meet our spaceship She's a riot. <laughs> <laughs> that she is, Thor, and that she is. And I do, I'm really excited for them to meet because I do think Cress and Iko will get along very well because they're, oh, I yeah. think they would just, like, hang out watching rom-coms all the time (laughs) definitely Thorne says what about the other pod ship and press trudges through the mess she gets across all the debris she's looking around and she notices there's an entire panel covered in gears that she never even thought of she's just walked past it for seven years and it made me a little sad because i wondered if she had paid more attention to that stuff would it have been helpful or not oh
0: yeah that's that's a good point
1: Right? i don't know yeah Maybe. Maybe probably not. I don't know. <laughs> Thorne opens the door. Um, but the docking hatch it's worse than the satellite. Thorne says, "Does it look better than it smells?" Not really. The ship is destroyed. And all the instruments are too. Not looking good.
0: They've pretty much got nothing. Yeah.
1: So they they have to find civilization because they don't really have a lot going for them where they are right now. Cress mm-hmm. is all excited. To leave her satellite. And she says, Well, the sun will be setting soon, so it won't be too hot. But you're in a desert, is the thing. (laughs) Yeah. But it shouldn't be that cold this time of year, so they need to gather supplies. And I feel so bad. She doesn't have a jacket. There's no blankets. She Mm. doesn't have pants, shoes, or socks. I mean, she doesn't even have a hair tie. Like, she's got, she literally has the dress on her back and the blankets on her bed.
0: Yeah. That's basically nothing, and it'll be hard to like go through a desert with just that. Yeah,
1: there's not a lot to. There's not a lot of resources at their disposal. Yeah. Thorne went through survival training in the military, so he's like, I got this. I can figure this out. I immediately was like, man, I wish Ashley were here because I know she took like a special course on survival skills, and Mm -hmm. she could give us so much information right now. Yeah. and she could tell us if Thorne's information is accurate or not that's true yeah she could water is their first priority because dehydration is worse than hunger and they have some water bottles and some food pl- packs okay here we go he wants towels so he can make her some makeshift like shoes for her feet right yeah which they use her hair to make the rope that's clever right mm-hmm. but here's my thing doesn't he have socks on with his boots? Can't he just, like, okay, I'll wear my boots, you take my socks? That makes sense. Like, I, I get that socks, that walking around in boots without socks wouldn't be comfortable, but it just feels like an easier solution.
0: Yeah, I feel like the makeshift shoes he made for her are a little overly complicated when he has the boots and socks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like he could just be like, okay, obviously you can't wear my boots because you're, like, really small but you can wear my socks Mm -hmm. because socks can you can wear socks even if they're too big like you can just pull them and they stretch shoes those are not gonna work yeah and obviously boots without socks on is very uncomfortable but I mean it's not (laughs) the worst thing in the world so I'm sure we've all been in a hurry and didn't have time for socks and just grabbed a pair of shoes
0: yeah you can get blisters but I guess it's better than, like, the sand in your feet.
1: Yeah. So he ties these towels to her feet, and she says it's like walking on lumpy pillows. It sounds very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. That does not seem very comfortable. No. No.
1: But Thorn thinks that she'll be grateful when they actually start walking for them. Yeah. They made a bundle out of blankets and they've got water, food, sheets, a small medical kit, very handy, and they use a piece of the bed frame so that Thorn can have a walking stick, I assume mm-hmm. because he's blind.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And finally it's time to open the doors
0: and go outside. <sighs>
1: And hear their music. <laughs> yeah.
0: Look at the world so close and I'm halfway to it. Look at it all so big. Do I even dare? Look at me there at last! I just have to do it. Should I? No. Here I go. This is a movie. There'd be, there'd definitely be dramatic music playing right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she gets her first smell of earth. And there's no comparisons. Now, I personally have never smelled a desert. The only sand I've ever been around is associated with water, which means it always smells like salt water. Yeah. So I don't actually know what just like a vast amount of sand in every direction would smell like.
0: I'm not sure if it would have like a certain aroma. I don't know. I feel like I just smell like dry. Right? Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of my sister Lindsay who always gets um nosebleeds when it's dry outside. Um, and I'm like yeah. I'm like, Oh, I know that desert has gotta be killing their nostrils.
0: Yeah. Especially Crest, like she hasn't been exposed to anything. Basically anything ever in her life.
1: Well, even she, even the smell she hasn't been exposed to. The only thing she's ever smelled before is basically Sybil's perfume. Yeah. Yeah. Thorne says, okay, lead the way. And she, she's so crushed. She wants to <laughs> savor the moment of holding hands, but he's like pushing her to keep going.
0: Such a romantic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The is like, she could
1: kind have of picked a better person to be overly romantic with because Thorne <laughs> is so obtuse. He's so dead set, you know, let's survive and get at it. Like, he's so <laughs> completely oblivious that she might even remotely be like,
0: yeah I mean, understandably though like in the situation you wouldn't really be thinking about romance you kind of just wanted to survive well see that's the thing I would totally be thinking
1: about romance <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally pressed but um, I I, I definitely I think most people are a Thorn. where when the situation mm-hmm. actually happens you know it goes into this is what we need to focus on and emotions are immediately taken out of the equation yeah which is why if I ever get trapped in a desert, I hope it's with someone like my husband or Ashley, because they're very capable of being like, okay, this is what we have to do. And I'm very much like,
0: oh, no. Yeah, I would probably be freaking out and hopefully would have someone who is experienced in survival.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The only the only thing I can do when it comes to like survival is be hungry. <laughs> I I grew up very poor. I'm okay. I, I don't like it, but like I know how to be hungry and it's fine. I can mm. tolerate it. Like my husband cannot be hungry. He's yeah. you know those Snickers commercial commercials where the person turns into like a complete jerk. That's my husband. Oh. Yeah, he's um. so rude. And so, I love you. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> but it's he, <laughs> not happy. You <laughs> It's yeah. the truth. Um, And some yeah. people, they really are just like that. I'm not. If anything, I just get depressed because I want, like, donuts or something.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> My
1: first go-to food is donuts.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're really good.
1: <laughs> Super good. I doubt yeah. that Cress and Thorne's food packs are, like, delicious either. Like, That's we know Cress had, like, eggs quarantine on her satellite as one of her food packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But it's, like, they're all freeze-dried things. Which so I've had freeze-dried strawberries because um, they put them in cereal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, I don't have a lot of experience with freeze-dried anything, really.
0: Yeah, their food's probably not that exciting, but at least it's food.
1: <laughs> it's food. It's definitely food. And I mean, what? what would we have? You know, like my husband and I have an emergency food thing for if there's a a hurricane and we get trapped. Right. And I mean, it's nothing delicious. It's like, it's like peanut butter crackers and ramen and all unperishable things that you can cook with just like hot water. Yeah. Yeah. canned stuff also. Yeah. Like cans of ravioli and stuff like that. It's just stuff that you can eat without worrying about. Um, like the difficulty level of it if you don't have electricity if you just have like a campfire or something yeah yeah so press starts looking around the sand is blowing everywhere and she thinks that the satellite will be buried beneath it forever the sky is violet and blue and black and stars i just love reading this whole chapter it's so poetic it's filled with so much beautiful imagery the same stars she'd been looking at her whole life now covered her eyes like a blanket. That's so beautiful. Oh, yes. Bumps into Thorn because she starts to feel a little dizzy. She's starting to get completely mm. overwhelmed.
0: <laughs> I mean, understandably.
1: Right? She tried to swallow down the rising panic. This sensation that her existence was as small and unimportant as the tiniest fleck of sand blowing against her shins. There was a whole world, a whole planet, and she was stuck somewhere in the middle of it, away from everything. There were no walls, no boundaries, nothing to hide behind. A shudder swept over her, goosebumps crawling across her bare arms. So this makes me think of that second picture for our fan art today. Yeah, the expression on her face.
0: She's realizing that she's finally free from her satellite, but it's coming at a—it's—it's it's coming
1: with circumstances she wasn't prepared for. Yeah. The Earth didn't seem so big from space. <laughs> and then she starts crying. <sighs> oh. Poor baby Cress. And Thorne, she hopes is gonna hug her, but instead he grabs her hard and starts shaking her. And he says, stop. What's the number one cause of death in the desert?
0: Dehydration. <laughs> Poor baby
1: Cress. Oh. That feels so
0: bad for her right now. I really do. I know. Like, this is such a huge shock to her. Like, she spent almost all her life in, like, a tiny place, and now she's in this huge place and with, like, basically a stranger, and she doesn't, like, it's just,
1: it's a lot. It's a lot. It's very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Crying makes dehydration worse, so she needs to stop. It's all right to be scared. I get that until now, most of your existence has been contained in 200 square meters. In fact, so far you've shown yourself to be saner than expected, but I need you to pull yourself together. You may not have noticed that I'm not exactly in prime form right now, and I'm relying on you to be aware and observant and help us find our way out of this, because if we don't, I don't know about you, but I'm just not fond of the idea of being stranded out here and eaten alive by vultures. I actually think Thorne is handling this pretty well because he's blind and trapped in the desert Mm -hmm. just like she is so i mean he can easily get overwhelmed by just sheer hopelessness and instead he's like okay let's come up with a plan he like takes charge of the whole situation he's being very firm with her but he's trying to do it gently like he's actually being a very good captain in this situation yeah
0: he's definitely handling this well like it could be a lot worse
1: it could be a lot worse. Cress mm-hmm. is like, okay, vultures, bad, got it. <laughs> he says, I love this so good because I need you. And those are words that I don't throw around every day. Ooh. Oh. There you go, Cress. There's yep. your romance. I think
0: that's her little moment.
1: Yes. So Cress comes up with her, her little daydream so that she can – Orient and motivate herself, that she's an explorer. (laughs) I am an explorer, setting courageously off into the wild unknown. My life is an adventure. I will not be shackled to this satellite anymore. And Thorne is like, uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) We'll just go with it then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of chapter 15. Yeah. What was your chapter title for chapter 15? Uh,
0: um, I picked Red Desert by Five Seconds of Summer. Because, like, well, they're in the middle of a desert. And she described it, like, all the colors in it. So I just thought that was a good-fitting title.
1: Yeah, I love it. I'm actually not familiar with that song. So I have, when you picked it, I was like, ooh, I need to go listen to this. I need to... Care what this is about. I picked Road Less Traveled by Lauren Alina. I don't know how to say her name. I'm sorry, y'all. Sorry, guys. But I liked it because they are on the Road Less Traveled because they're not on a road at all. (laughs) And then I also picked Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift because, you know, cruel summer. They got some stuff going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mostly like Road Less Traveled because I do feel like they're setting off on a really unknown kind of scary adventure and they really don't have any choice in the matter other than to, you know, just kind of go with it and hope for the best. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's fitting. It is. So what was
1: your quote for this week?
0: Um, My quote was on page, the bottom of page um, 131. It was, um, for one moment, the reality of it all poured into her body and overflowed. And I just think that's a really good, Way to describe how she's feeling like it's a really simple description, but you can definitely understand like feel how she's feeling like just everything like being so overwhelmed it's overflowing within her yeah
1: it is, and I even reading it we're kind of overwhelmed with her mm-hmm. for understanding how scary and terrifying because you know, I think anyone in this situation would be overwhelmed. For sure. Not just, you know, the whole satellite thing. Like, just being stranded anywhere is an overwhelming situation. So, her also having to deal with this is her first time on Earth, her first time exiting her satellite, her first time being around another human other than Sybil. Yeah. And it's a human that she's obsessed with. <laughs> like, it's all very overwhelming. Definitely. Yeah. So, my quote was Thorn's Line" on page 139. Because I need you. And those are not words that I throw around every day. I love Thorne being vulnerable so much. (laughs) I love him openly admitting to her. And I'm not sure he would with anyone else. Because, you know, he has, like, appearances to keep up with everybody else, I guess. But I love him being open with her and being like, look, yes, this is all very terrifying. But I kind of can't do this alone. So I really need you to pull it together and help me out here. And I just love him being vulnerable enough to admit that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also think it's like a good way to describe the relationship. Like it's a good start. Like he's being vulnerable with her from the start and like he's telling her that he does need her. So I think that's a good like jumping off point.
1: Yeah, because in any other situation it would be the opposite, right? Like she would be at his mercy because he's the big strong man and he's Thorn, so of course he's gonna be like, I know everything and you know, he doesn't really get to play up on that that confidence right now. He doesn't really have it to fall back on like he normally would. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guest and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your. Podcast, and now back to the show. So, chapter sixteen. We are still in Press's perspective. Thorn has his cane, and he's trying to use Press's elbow for support as they move around. Press is afraid to look at the sky because she's like worried she'll get completely overwhelmed again. Which kind of reminds me of her being afraid of looking at Luna and hiding under her desk. Like she just gets fearful, and her first reaction is to hide. Yeah. All around them is eternal landscape, except they're mountains. I like that Thorin is like, mountains or glorified hills? Is there's a difference. Yeah, there is. It's a fair question. If she says real mountains, unless they do. They always have to have snow because there's no white on top. That's a legit question. If she's only ever seen mountains from pictures and they all have snow. Yeah. Like, I think it's a legit question to be like, okay, well, if it doesn't have snow, is it still a mountain? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I feel like that's something I would have asked had grown up when I was, like, nine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, how far away are they? And she's never been asked to judge distance before. Um, That's okay, Chris. I'm 30 years old, and I would be like, I don't know, far? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> if you if I was straight up in the middle of the desert and someone was like, see those mountains, how far away are those? I'd be like, uh... I couldn't
0: give you a number.
1: (laughs) I'd be like, I don't know. Blank miles. (laughs) I know it's miles. (laughs) Oh, He goes, fine. Okay, what direction? I like this part, though. Instead of trying to guess, like, north, south, east, west, she just grabs his hand and points in the direction of the mountains
0: yeah and when I was looking at the picture the fan art I think this is what it was based off of like when she's directing his hand into the direction like that's just how I visualize this moment
1: yeah she's sort of trying to show without telling yeah yeah it's a really nice moment between them And she's, of course, distracted by the fact that she's actually touching him. (laughs) Yeah. I like the line where it says her heart fluttered with elation and terror. She's both, she's both, like, she's both excited and terrified at being so close to him. Yeah. And the mountains intimidate her because they're so incredibly enormous.
0: So if they're that if they look that big to her, then they probably shouldn't be too far in the distance.
1: I don't know, because I feel like mountains are one of those things they look big, whether you're close or far away. Sure. like if you're really far away, then you can see just how big they are, because you can see like from the bottom to the top and all the sides. No. and if you're really close, all you can see is is the mountain, unless you look up and then you notice how big it really is because you see how far away from you it is, like from your head to the top.
0: That's true. So that
1: makes sense. I feel like I just mumbled a bunch of words. (laughs) That makes sense.
0: Like they look big from no matter where because they are big.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I get that they would be, um, like intimidating and enormous. You know, Uh, I have a feeling I would feel that way if I was in this if I was in any situation. I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. (laughs) She starts to think that the mountains are okay because. They kind of break up the monotonous desert. They're like a physical marker and that somehow that calms her, yeah. which is nice. It is nice. If all you're looking at is desert, I could see why that would be more overwhelming. At least the mountains gives her something to
0: focus on.
1: Yeah. Though I have a feeling it would drive me insane to spend all my time walking towards the mountains. and feeling like they never got closer.
0: Oh, yeah. That must be hard. It's like you yeah. would know that it will take a long time to get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like um, when I'm running, uh-huh. <laughs> like if I go for a run and I'm not in the mood for it, I'm like, oh, my God, how long does it take to get to three miles? This is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's okay. Like the other night, I was um, just felt like I had a lot of energy and I ended up running like a little over three miles and I was fine. And then like two days ago, I was like, I was barely at a mile and I was like, oh, my God. This is ridiculous. I've only ran one mile. I feel like I'm gonna die. No. Like so, I totally get the sense of like how distance itself can be overwhelming depending on your mood and situation. Yeah, I, I feel like this situation is you know, okay. <laughs> Not too bad. At least they know something. Yeah. it's something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they try to figure out their sense of direction. They need to know their never soggy weedies. Do you know that one?
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> I learned never eat sour watermelon or never eat soggy waffles.
1: Ooh, I didn't know that rest. one. Yeah, I remember saying it, I forget who, but I remember saying it to someone and they looked at me like I was crazy and I was like, what, you don't know that? What do you mean? And I was like, never eat soggy east, northeast, southwest. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah." Like, they might not know the nine pizzas thing either, I guess. Yeah. Which I don't know what it is now because Pluto's not a planet. Oh yeah. So maybe it. it's just served us nachos or
0: something. Yeah, I remember learning like in elementary school learning the, my, my very excellent mother just served us mo- nachos. Okay. For the planets.
1: Yeah, mine was always, because um, I, when I was in school, it was still Pluto. So it was my very eager mother just served us nine pizzas. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love to know what the different ones are, though. So everybody listening, if you have something different for north, east, southwest, and the planets, message me. I would love to hear and read about all the different variations there are for those, like, anagrams. Yeah. So she tells him where the sunset was, and it's her first true sunset, and she doesn't even get really the chance to appreciate it. She's trying mm-hmm. to remember every tiny little detail, but it's, it's not even, she doesn't even really get the chance to absorb it because they really need to figure out where they are before it goes pitch black outside. Yeah. <laughs> she can find the parachute in the sand. So Thorne says that might be handy because if it's waterproof, they can use it. Yeah. Useful. Very useful. They decide to head towards the mountains, because what else are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll help keep them out of the sun and provide shelter and maybe water when they get there. And this is the first time Press notices that Thorn is not very sure of himself. He's just guessing.
0: Yeah. Like, he's always been so confident and sometimes a little cocky, but, like, sometimes that was just... A facade and he really doesn't know but he tries to least act like he does
1: yeah he's trying to sort of lie his not lie but like i don't know work his way through it Mm -hmm. fake it till you make it yeah pretty much (laughs) yep (laughs) they're staring out into nothingness it's getting dark out she can't even really see the mountains anymore and her eyes start adjusting And the stars grow brighter, and they're so big, and they are just everywhere. Stars everywhere. Yeah.
0: I've, since, like, I live in a city where there's light pollution, I've never really been able to see, like, a full sky of stars. I've only been able to, like, one time when I went on a road trip with my family. But even that, like, wasn't what there was in the desert, like
1: with the vast sky. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I grew up in the middle of the country where there's like nothing going on oh, wow. and there's nothing around but cornfields and soybeans for miles and miles and miles. Um, and it's it's breathtaking, especially because now I live in a city and when we were in Nebraska, we lived in a city and we don't really get to see it very often anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and getting so used to looking up and seeing barely anything when you are surrounded, and you look up and you see nothing but stars, it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful.
1: It makes you want to lay on a blanket and just stare at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thorin ends up tripping, and he falls down. And when Cress tries to shake him, or help him, he shakes her off with an edgy tone he tells her he's not happy with the turn of events. Well, I don't think anybody is. It's to be expected. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Chris says, well, what can I do? I like this, that she doesn't apologize again like she did before where she was saying it was all her fault. She's not doing that again. She's just like, okay, he didn't want me to apologize before. Now, what should I do? Well, now I need to find a solution and be Comforting to him. Yeah. Theron doesn't like having to rely on other people is what's bothering him the most right now. hmm I totally get that. Yeah. He's independent. Yeah. And it's very unnerving. I, I have a seizure disorder, and so if there's, like, strobe lights around unexpectedly, I have to, like, close my eyes and hold the hand of the person with me, which is 90% of the time my husband, who I've been with for 10 years, so, you know, I'm very trusting of him, but... It's still very awkward to, like, be walking around with your eyes closed with nothing to go on except, like, the person next to you telling you, like, okay, don't trip because there's a hole or something.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly, like, the situation Thorne is in now because he can't see.
1: Yeah, it does kind of make you want to experiment and, like, cover your eyes and tell someone to take you for a walk around the block and just try to (laughs) see what it might be like to be completely lost like that. Thorne says, could you just give me a warning when we're going up and down the hills? And before she can say yes and completely respond to him, the sight of Luna just completely overwhelms her.
0: Yeah, I really love this description. And actually, this is my quote, this paragraph. Um, I'll just start. So, she trailed off as her eyes left Thorn's face to seek out the top of the dune and caught on the moon, a crescent glowing vivid and white off at the horizon. She shriveled away from it, habit telling her to hide beneath her desk or bed until the moon couldn't find her anymore. But there was no desk or bed to crawl beneath. And as the initial surprise wore off, she began to realize that the sight of the moon didn't grip her with terror as it once had. From Earth, it somehow seemed so very far away. I just really love that quote because, like, it's kind of showing how she's not really scared anymore of Luna because, like, that's not really a threat to her right now. Because when she was on the satellite, like, if she messed up, uh, like, Sybil could send her straight back to Luna and she always hid underneath. But now that she's not there anymore, she's finally, like, free of that cage, kind of.
1: Yeah, she has other things to worry about now too, and it's nice for her to have that realization of like you know, this big terrible thing that's been terrifying her her whole life. She can look at it freely now and it doesn't it doesn't overwhelm her. Yeah. Yeah. Press says that it's actually comforting to look at the sky itself and the galaxy that she's so familiar with. And then she realizes constellations They can look at the constellations for navigation.
0: Yeah, that's really useful.
1: Yeah, and I really like this moment because um, I never knew that they're, you know, depending on where you are in the world, you may or may not be able to see different constellations. Mm -hmm. And so I always found it interesting, this little inclusion. And when she starts naming off the constellations, Thorne says, we're in the northern hemisphere that rules out Australia. There's more beautiful imagery with all these constellations, too. It's absolutely gorgeous. And she says we might be in northern Africa. Well, wouldn't that be convenient considering that's exactly where our cinder so is.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like I get that they fell out of sky, that they fell out of outer space at the same time in a similar location. Yeah. But it is pretty convenient that they just so happen to be so close to one another.
0: Yeah. So I wonder hopefully we could find <laughs> each other at some point. I mean Right. If- probably be really hard but we'll see she says they might also be in the commonwealth
1: which again would be convenient yeah but it could be the sahara and then they have this realization that it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter where they are because they're still lost in a big desert yeah so it doesn't make any difference what desert it is or in which country it is because they're still
0: lost and in the desert Mm -hmm. they just have to focus on one thing at a time now yeah absolutely yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: press goes to give thorn her elbow and he says it throws his balance off okay I totally get this my husband is 14 inches taller than me holding hands very Mm -hmm. awkward because I have to like bend my elbow to like hold his hand properly and it's kind of uncomfortable Yeah. (laughs) wow (laughs) Um, you get used to it like it's more or less me my hand being near his fingers kind of thing <laughs> but it's like I totally get that someone being that much smaller than you would actually throw you off to lean down and try to touch them yeah. than it would be to just figure it out yourself that's true and Cress is sad mm-hmm. that he won't hold her hand again bearing her disappointment Cress started up the dune she announced the top when they reached it, and continued down the other side. And that is the end of chapter sixteen. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. and stressful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was your chapter title for chapter sixteen? Um, for this chapter, I picked um, "Can't Get There from Here" by REM, and that song, like, it's basically about like being trapped. And, like, you can't get out. And that pretty much describes their situation. Like, they're trapped in this big desert, and it's going to be hard for them to get out. So they basically just have to find a way <laughs> to escape.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I chose Middle of Nowhere by Hot, Hot Heat for the exact same reason. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's not fun being trapped in the middle of nowhere and there's not a whole lot to go off of and uh you just have to hope that the person that you're with is enough to get you through to the other side yeah yeah
0: what was your chapter quote um it was the bottom of page 144 and 145 the one that i read i mean i can read it again because it is a really good quote yeah go for it okay she trailed off as her eyes left Thorne's face to seek out the top of the dune and caught on the moon, a crescent glowing vivid and white off the horizon. She shriveled away from it, habit-telling her to hide beneath her desk or bed until the moon couldn't find her anymore. But there was no desk or bed to call beneath. And as the initial surprise wore off, she began to realize that the sight of the moon didn't grip her with terror as it once had. From Earth, it so- it somehow seemed so very far away.
1: Yeah i love that whole paragraph it's just absolutely beautiful getting to experience that moment with her where she realizes that her fears um are different now yeah that's true yeah so that is the end of episode 71 how are you doing did you have fun doing
0: this yeah this is really fun i really like this
1: that's awesome so today there were three eggs, one hair, and one captain. I like that we got another captain it's been a while <laughs> since we've had a captain. Um, next week we're going to cover chapters at 17 and 18. Do you want to tell anybody where they can follow you on social media uh, if they want to? Because yeah. I know you have artwork, right?
0: Yeah. Not... Do you want to talk about your art real quick? Yeah, I can. Um, My Instagram is at vivesart with an underscore V-I-V-S-A-R-T underscore. Um, it, I was art by Aviva, and then I changed it because I just wanted it to be, like, a little bit shorter. Um, yeah, I mostly draw, like, fan art for books and TV shows and just anything that I'm obsessed with at the moment.
1: Yeah. If you feel up for it, I am in desperate need of some art of Amory Park, and I cannot find any anywhere. <laughs> Like, all I've been able to find is the coloring book and then pictures of Taye Diggs. Oh, yeah. He's apparently a popular casting choice mm-hmm. <laughs> among fans.
0: Yeah. I feel like there are just some characters that don't really have much fan art because, I don't know. People don't yeah, like don't them know, so they like... don't want to draw them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank you very much
1: for coming on to this episode. I hope to have you back sometime in the future.
0: Yeah, thank you for um, having me. This is a really good... I really enjoy doing this.
1: Yay! So everyone listening, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamour.
0: Don't get glamour. (laughs) Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from
1: Crest by Marisa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger.
0: Today's special guest was Patreon member Aviva. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.